I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about secure attachment. Margaret. What? What is secure attachment? Know, Does this talked, exist? We've talked about all the harder kinds of attachment. We're going to talk a bit today about secure attachment. Is this heaven? Is this real? <laughs> well, it is heaven, I think, for all practical purposes. I want to introduce another term, though, besides secure attachment, and that is working models of attachment. Now, well, hold on. Let me pause you there. Okay. I think it's really important that we talk about the importance of secure attachment and why this is so relevant to having a healthy relationship. Okay. Because so many of the people come to the channel, they don't understand why their person broke up with them when they thought things were good. And a lot of it has to do with their ability to love, to be loved, to stay in committed relationships, to communicate, and there's a reason for that. Yes, there is. In our experience, we haven't come across a lot of people that we have found to be secure, right? Unfortunately. But that's our goal. That's our goal. To help you become secure. That's yes. why it's so important that you understand this. Because this is what we want you to be. This right. is where we want to get you. This is the doing the work. This is what we get when you've done the work. That's right. That's right. All right. So now Margaret's going to get back to her technical lingo okay. of working models of attachment. Yes, but it's going to get, <laughs> I hope it's going to get clearer. And if it doesn't, Craig will stop me. Okay? okay. All right. In the book that we just took a whole lot of um, called Attached, we talked about um, many, many different things. And one of the things that the book Attached suggests is that we all think about our working models of attachment. And they had like 20 pages of forms that you needed to fill out to make that work. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm not going to ask people to do that. <clears throat> I'll go back to the masters, you know, Bowlby and Susan Johnson, and see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. But it's a commonly used term in attachment research and so forth, and I thought it was worth discussing. So what is it? Okay, it's the image that you get in your head of your parent. Are they available? Are they reliable? Do they come and pick you up out of your crib? Okay? If they do, then you conclude at least early on that the people outside of you are reliable and nice. Yeah. Okay? Okay. The other message you get is that you are lovable. Because if they take good care of you, and you know that they come to you when you're distressed, you begin to develop some secure feelings. Okay? Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yep. So your early interactions 
form what we would call your internal working model. That the outside world is safe or not safe, and that you are lovable or not lovable. Got it. Okay? All right, so if your parent doesn't come regularly to relieve your stress and get rid of that wet thing around your middle and feed you when you're hungry, then you quickly learn that it's just disappointing to count on other people. And you could become avoidant. Or your parent may some days come and take care of you in a timely manner, but not always. And then you can become anxious because you never know whether your need is going to be met or not. Okay? Mm -hmm. As the avoidant person has already given up very early. Okay? So let me go on a little. Over repeated interactions, however, children develop a set of knowledge structures or internal working models that represent those interactions and contribute to the regulation of the attachment system. If caregivers are generally warm, responsive, and consistently available, the child learns that he or she is worthy of love and that others can be counted upon when needed. Mm -hmm. Consequently, he or she is likely to explore the world confidently, invite warm and sociable interactions with others, and feel secure in the knowledge that a caregiver is available if needed. In short, the child develops secure working models of attachment. Okay, so that's what it's about to be secure. Mm -hmm. All right. You trust the world to take care of you. People feel safe. Yeah. People feel caring. People are trustworthy. Right. You can count on them. Yep. And that's where we want you to get. That's where we want you to get. And that's who we want you to be for your partners, whether your ex comes back or not. Right. But learning these skills is very difficult for many of you because some of you have never even seen it. Well, that's the important thing. I'm going to say more about that in a minute. Okay. Conversely, if attachment figures are cold, rejecting, unpredictable, frightening, or insensitive, the child learns that he or she is not worthy of being loved and that others cannot be counted on for support and comfort. Mm -hmm. This knowledge is embodied in insecure working models of attachment. Yeah. The child is likely to re regulate his or her behavior accordingly, either by excessively demanding attention and care, which would be anxious style, all right, um, or by withdrawing from others and attempting to achieve a high degree of self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. So first the child is going to do protest behavior. Why aren't you paying more attention to me? And maybe do some things to get mom's attention a little more. All right. But if you're avoidant, you just kind of give up and become independent. Mm -hmm. Okay? Clear so far? Yep. These experiences are believed to shape two important components of working models. The representation that people develop about themselves and the representations they construct about others. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking as I'm reading all this and trying to digest it, how can you choose a good partner when you're not sure there are any? Now, if you're avoidant and no one has ever taken care of you and you responded by becoming self-sufficient, 
How do you know there are good partners out there? That's not what life has taught you, mm -hmm. okay? And if your needs only get met some of the time, you might have very low expectations in a partner. Mm -hmm. Because your experience of the world has been that, you know, sometimes your needs get met, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Clear enough mm -hmm. so far? Yeah. All right, good. Um, now I want to tell you about a study that was done. And I, I feel obligated to read some of the studies sometimes, even though it's not easy. Um, because it tells us that we're on the right track. This was a study done in the Netherlands um, at the University of Groningen, and to anyone who knows that I pronounced that wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was interested in the university once I found this study and I looked it up, and this university has been operating since 1614. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. Um, Margaret was only 480. I was only 480 then, and they, they had four things you could major in then, mm -hmm. theology, medicine, law, or philosophy, mm -hmm. and they taught it in Latin. Oh, wow. If you can believe it. And I was just thinking, the U.S., you know, uh, we think of our independence as coming in 1776. This was 1614. I mean, we're just children in terms of European history, but anyway. These very smart people at this university did a study of, and it says, and I quote, a convenient sample of 437 participants. Convenient. Yeah, that I don't know how it was convenient. convenient unless they were all students at the university, which would be the only way to do it. Um, completed a questionnaire assessing a broad range of childhood memories, working models of attachment and life satisfaction. After controlling for demographics and some other things, the study revealed that the impact requirements were met for the association between memories and childhood, adult attachment, and life satisfaction. I don't think I said that quite right. It was to test if childhood memories mm -hmm. have an impact on how happy you are in adult life. Mm. Okay? That's a real big question that people have been pondering for many years and centuries. That is, family warmth and harmony and parental support were associated with attachment security, while parental rejection and adverse childhood events, abuse or crazy parents, were associated with an insecure attachment style. More securely attached individuals were in turn more satisfied about their current life than insecurely attached individuals. Mm -hmm. These findings are in accordance with attachment theory and highlight the importance of this theory for understanding how early childhood experiences may impact adult life. Mm -hmm. So there are 437 people and the criteria matched between childhood memories and current life satisfaction and attachment. Okay? And I thought it was I thought it was worth showing you that people really do research on this. Yeah. Okay? Although with that convenient four hundred and thirty seven people. I'm sure there are lots of other researchers who'd love to know these people. Okay? And there were just two thoughts I wanted to repeat. And these are really Susan Johnson's thought. Things to remember. When we feel distressed and vulnerable, distress automatically triggers the core attachment motivations 
to seek proximity, support, and reassurance mm -hmm. from attachment figures in virtually all people. We all seek support when we're distressed, okay? Even if people don't consciously feel or directly act on these basic motivations. Mm -hmm. So that would say that if you have an insecure attachment style of either anxious or avoidant, that if, you're, if your anxiety is aroused, you're going to do something to deal with it. Now, the secure person would go to their secure base. Mm -hmm. um, but other folks may act out, they may do all kinds of crazy things. But when we're distressed, we want our mommy, our teddy bear, and whatever else feels warm and fuzzy to mm -hmm. us. Okay? The next thought. Interactions with attachment figures that provide safety and support in times of need reinforce associations in long-term memory. Between turning to these figures for support, having one's insecurity and distress reduced, and his or her sense of security restored. Mm -hmm. So eventually you're going to remember that your mom or your aunt or your grandmother or the lady down the street or how, whoever it was who would help calm you down, you remember that. Eventually, merely calling a supportive attachment figure to mind becomes the source of solace and acts as a mental resource to buffer life's stresses and strains. Now, when I was taught about therapy, <clears throat> what I was taught is that helping people be able to do that was really the ultimate goal of therapy. So that you wanted to leave people you had seen able to call up in memory some soothing person who could make them feel better before, if the, in case they don't have somebody to reach out to. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I have had many people carry around pictures of their grandmother because they didn't have it firmly enough in their mind. Mm -hmm. All right? So I just want That's why we say jokingly, but it would work if you got the mug that I have. Yes. Or the, the, um, the phone case that I have. Let me see. <laughs> you can I, call up my mug anytime. Like, look, here's Margaret on the mug. And I will Supreme do my leader. very best to calm you down. That's right. And you can get a phone case. I will talk nice case. to you. Yes. And even a t-shirt with Margaret's <laughs> picture. And it's always good to have a picture of the person you're going to use as your calm down person. It's absolutely true. I yeah. mean, this is what we help kids do this too is what when they can't call do. up their parents. And do you want to repeat your son's ability to do that? I think sure. that's a great story. Well, I've talked about this in a few videos. Now, one of the things that I did with my son when he was very little is, you know, whenever he was upset, I would always say to him, you're okay, you're okay, or it's okay, you're okay. And I just kept saying to him over and over again throughout the years, and now he's six, and now, whenever he's upset, he does it. Himself. Yes, he still says it out yeah. loud. It's okay, you're okay, you're okay, and now he's able to calm himself down. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work. One day I'll try and get a video of it, and maybe I'll put it on my Instagram. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? So you guys could yeah. see what he does. But in case we didn't believe the theory, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's wonderful. Okay, so we wish that for everybody. May that's you right. be able to calm yourself down. Yeah. And right now, you might use us to help you calm down, and that's great. Yes. Whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. And don't worry, there'll be another mug 
with Craig's mug. <laughs> Margaret wants me to make a mug with me on it or some kind of design. Yes. I'm thinking about it right now. Yes. But uh, I was divinely inspired by her Supreme <laughs> Leader mug. So I came up with that one. I'll try and think of one for myself. I have one idea in mind that I think would be great. I have one idea in mind, too. Uh-oh. We'll have to have a demon dialogue about it. All right. All right. So if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret is here for Skype coaching. Yes, if you feel like I can be helpful to you, please call me. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.